what child is this or who is this child? Uh, that's what today is going to be about, and we're going to be dealing with the third advent. Um, thanks for the comments, by the way, on that kid's story. Um, I'd like to begin today by sharing with you something from Henry now, and I've been getting some emails um, I get a lot of his devotionals, but every Sunday morning about 8.30, boom, I get an Advent email. And today, again, really awesome. I had to include it. I was anticipating something good, and I was right. So I want to begin our, our time of preparing and exploring or participating in Advent uh, with this reading from Henry Nouwen. Deepening our lives in Christ. Here's what he wrote today. Besides affirming life and remembering it, celebration is filled with expectation for the future. If the past has the last word, a man would imprison himself more and more the older he became. In the present, we're able, if, sorry, if the present were the ultimate moment of satisfaction, he would cling to it with hedonistic eagerness, trying to squeeze the last drop out of it. But the present holds promises and reaches out to the horizons of life. And this makes it possible for us to embrace our future as well as our past in the moment of celebration. The period before Christmas has that remarkable quality of joy that seems to touch not only Christians, but all who live in our society. But Advent is not only a period of joy. It is also a time when those who are lonely feel lonelier than during other periods of the year. During this time, many people try to commit suicide or are hospitalized with severe depression. Those who have hope feel much, much joy and desire to give. Those who have no hope feel more depressed than ever and are often thrown back their on their lonely cell. Throw the, sorry. Those who have no hope feel more depressed than ever and are often thrown back on their lonely selves in despair. Surrounded by a loving, supportive community, Advent and Christmas seem pure joy. But let me not forget my lonely moments, because it does not take much to make that loneliness reappear. When Jesus was loneliest, he gave his most. That realization should help to deepen my commitment to service and let my desire to give become independent of my actual experience of joy. Only a deepening of my life in Christ will make that possible. Today is our third Advent. And by the way, I'm going to correct a word there. He used the word committing suicide. I think he, um, a better word there would be they're giving their lives back to God. Uh, I love that phrase a lot better than the negative um, guilt trip one. So that's really important to rephrase Third Advent. So let's uh, take a look at this joy video. Take this in and then we'll light the candles.
right. Thank you for that video. And now we're going to light our, our three candles. So we're in the third advent. So we have the hope candle. We have the love candle. And today we have the joy candle. And then next Sunday we light the fourth one. And then um, we might light the fifth one on that Sunday morning because the evening one uh, won't be live streamed on Facebook or YouTube. So there we go. Lovely. I love candles. I love light. My family knows that. <laughs> Can never buy me enough flashlights. <laughs> it's too funny. Okay. Uh, so let's get into this because this story today begins with the story of Zechariah. Uh, I would have talked about this the very first Sunday, but the first Sunday we talked about Advent and what it is and its history. Worth going back and listening to it. Um, but let's get into this one because this is a really cool start to the coming of Christ because Zechariah ends up having a child who is John the Baptist, which is the one who is the forerunner for Jesus that was also prophesied. So the prophecies of Jesus coming and John the Baptist are both important and they're connected very well. So let's get into the story. If you're familiar with it, great. If you're not necessarily, you might learn something new today, even if it's just one little thing. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a, pre, a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and, so, and, and they were both very old. So, let's pause there for a minute, because there's something really important about this text that <coughs> I think defies, that's not a COVID cough, uh, that there's something important here that defies uh, the mindset people had of who they thought God was. If you take a look through the Old Testament, um, you have the Lord gives, the Lord takes. Old covenant mentality, okay? So you're blaming God for disaster, you're blaming God for blessing. Uh, here, it's, the text is clearly saying they were righteous in God's eyes. Why am I pointing that out? Because the idea of not being able to have children was a sign of the curse of God that you did something wrong. Performance-based acceptance, performance-based love and blessing. So there's a weird mindset. If you're barren, then you're cursed by God. And that is not it. This is a, I think this is inserted on purpose to show you that is not the way of God, the real God. And Jesus reveals that later. But I thought that was really cool to connect those dots because it says they were righteous in God's eyes. They didn't have to do anything, and yet they still didn't have kids. And they're very old. Like, when they say very, they mean very, as in can't have kids old, okay? So that's, that's pretty old. All right, let's get into this. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of priests, he was chosen by lot, which is the rolling of the dice, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Again, this only happened once a year, and one special person got picked. So very few priests actually got to go into the holiest of holies. All right, this is a big deal. He happened to win the lottery for that one. While the incense was burn, being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. 
Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Wouldn't you be? I sure would. Oh, my goodness. If an angel showed up, I'd be freaked out. A lot of our Christmas videos that show the angel coming to Joseph or Mary or the sheep, you know, there's this really nice, oh, hello, angels. Yes, I was expecting you. Oh, that's a lovely story. Great, I'll go. And, and that's the kind of, it's not realistic. And you're going to hopefully see in the Mary video we're going to show later a little more realistic perspective of what could have happened. It's pretty cool. So he freaked out because an angel showed up. You know, keep in mind. When the priest goes into this holiest of holies, there's a whole ritual purification thing they got to go through. They got to wear the right clean clothes. They got to wear the right clean underwear. Seriously. Like this is, this is a big deal. And so, because they know that if they go into that thing and miss a step, apparently God could strike them dead because they're unclean. They, got, they didn't do something right. Boom. And then they have to drag them out with a rope apparently tied to their, that's, that's a story we've heard. That, that's a possibility. So imagine he's already going in scared because very few people get to go in. And he goes in. He's got this maybe rope tied to his leg because who's going to go in to get him out if, <laughs> if uh, uh, he does die? And so um, there he is. And he's already nervous. Did I, did I do everything right? Did the other people who prepared my stuff do it right? Did somebody miss a step? And he's trying to do these really important rituals. And he's already nervous. And suddenly an angel shows up. Ah! It's like, oh my goodness. Okay, so this is like seriously freak out stuff. And then the angel speaks. And he says, don't be afraid. Yeah, right. <laughs> As if. But he had to say it because even though the emotions of Zechariah may not be able to feel that yet, the angel was declaring it to his mind so he can begin to process this is not to be a fearful thing. It spoke to his subliminal mindset as well. Really important. His ears heard it, and it began to filter into him. God has heard your prayer. Which prayer? He wanted kids. They've been praying for a long time. How many of you have been praying for something for a long, 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 long time? Well, God just doesn't answer all our prayers. <laughs> Who knows? Well, here they are. Hey, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you're to name him John. You'll have great joy. There we go. Advent of joy. Great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. Huh. He will be filled, with, Jesus did. He, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Oh my goodness, did you catch that? That's a really important line for something we're going to come up to uh, in a little bit. You're going to see a text and you're going to see how that matters. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Wow. Okay, this is seriously good news. He'll be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And we just heard the kid's story on Elijah. Was it Elijah? I think it was, yeah. I'm not sure. I forget right now. Maybe it was Isaiah. It was Isaiah. Oops. My bad. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. This is the baby. The, the angel's telling him, this kid's going to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. The one that's been prophesied. He will prepare the, the way, sorry, he'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. That's interesting. Zechariah said to the angel, 
uh, how, how can this be? How can, how can we be sure this will really happen? I'm an old man. And my wife is, she's along in years too. Hopefully she didn't hear that. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Now pause there for a minute. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I think this is, this is really important to remember. There's more going on than we see around us or what we can perceive. All right? He's saying he's standing in the presence of the Lord. Now, some have said, well, he was referring to the conversation he had with God before he was sent out, but he's not in the presence of God anymore. I think it's both. I believe he is currently, as he's delivering this, <coughs> this message, he's in the presence of God, seeing God, hearing, and, and delivering. He's, he's the visual expression via being an angel to Zechariah while also being in the presence of God. Like, oh my goodness, you can, your mind can be blown just by thinking through that. And he asks, how can this be sure? I'm an old, and so is my wife. <laughs> That's funny. It was he who sent me to bring this good news, the angel said. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, oh yeah, that's a good point. Would you question the angel? Would you challenge? Well, I don't believe you, angel. You know, that's impossible. You'd be surprised how many people do that. Even with the angel. Like, like in my mind, I thought, if there's an angel that shows up, I'm going to kind of trust what he says. Maybe, maybe I'll have the gall to actually question and, and inquire because my brain is racing so fast because of all the predetermined cubbyholes and beliefs we have about God are all set up and they need, they need to be totally reshaped. And here's what's happening. There's a reshaping that's going to happen for Zechariah. Did he believe the angel? I think he did, but... Our humanity questions things, and we're allowed to question things. Yeah, but look what happens to him. So what? It still turned out well, okay? You can still question. And I think the church needs to allow more and more questions. There aren't as many cookie-cutter answers as you think. I think there's more options on the menu than we ever dreamed of. More explanations for certain doctrines than what we have been told. And here, the angel says... Because you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So <clears throat> he became dumb, which is a technical word for not able to speak. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if his wife would be happy about that or not. Was he a talkative kind of guy? I don't know. But if it happened to me, my Lord would be, yes, it's quiet in the house. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering what is taking so long. Did he keel over? Did he die? Did he mess up? Did he wear dirty underwear? Did he wear a wrong suit? Did he put the incense on the floor instead of the altar? All these questions probably came up. It's natural to wonder that. What's taking so long? You know, they're tugging the rope, but it's still moving. Okay, leave him, leave him. Who knows? When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures, <laughs> that's creative. You can imagine what those might be. <laughs> and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. 
How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. See, there's the disgrace. Perceived or not, community poured on or not, there was a sense of disgrace, a false concept that she was cursed because she didn't have kids. She must have done something wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That notion is destroyed as as we continue to grow in our journey and understanding of who this God is we say we believe in. Let's take a look at Mary, because this is going to lead us into Mary's journey, because she ends up coming and visiting. So let's, let's take a look at how Mary's little story of seeing an angel may have happened. So here we go. In the ancient writings, a Savior was prophesied. This would bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And it was written long ago that God would give us a sign. A young girl would conceive, though never having been with a man, and she would give birth to a baby boy. He would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mother? Father? You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For nothing is impossible with God. I am a servant of the Lord. May everything you have said about me come true. (laughs) A young woman says yes to the unimaginable. Her story is not the first, nor the last, when God will ask great things of his people. And when we say yes, it can change everything.
right. So I think Mary was scared. <laughs> that was a great demonstration of that. So let's dig into her story because it ties into Elizabeth's story as well. As we get into this, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, there he is again, was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. That's really important. That's why they go to Bethlehem. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words the angel, uh, of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. Yeah, I can imagine being freaked out. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary. For the Lord has found delight in you. I love this translation. This, this is like a beautiful way to express what likely would have been the most reassuring wording that the angel knew she needed. So not so this cold, basic English stuff. So the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you <laughs> with a wonderful gift. Ha <laughs> ha, baby. You will become pregnant with a baby boy. And you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever. And his reign will have no limit. And Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Okay, pause for a second. How come Zechariah gets lambasted and made mute because he challenged the angel and she doesn't? Okay, because she just questioned, hey, wait a minute. How's that possible? Right? Like, shouldn't it be fair? It's not equal. It's a totally different story. <laughs> Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness, Holy Spirit, will fall upon you and the Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, as if that wasn't enough, your aunt, aged aunt, age, see, aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. How would you like that for a reputation? Oh, you know, Elizabeth, which Elizabeth? The barren one. Oh, yeah, her. What a reputation. But the angel is confirming something. So he, there's, a, there's a crossover here of communication and information, which is really good. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Listen to this. And then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I wonder how she really said it. <laughs> I'll be a mother for the Lord as his servant. I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Now, I, I have a hunch. This is a summarization of what was said and how she felt because they had to put it into written form and it was long after all this happened. But I'm sure... There must have been some tension, some questions. It may have taken her time to process it. Who knows? 
But the point of it is, if she didn't even respond, because somebody's challenged this. I hear people challenging this kind of stuff all the time. They're saying, yeah, but that couldn't have really happened. Well, you know what? It did happen, I believe, at some point, whether it happened at the moment the angel was there or after he left and then was processed and then the story was told. It doesn't matter. She arrived at this conclusion. Really important. That means our first reactions are not always the most important, nor may they be a reflection of what we really believe. We can have time to come around to things. I think we need to give each other more of a break. Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea and to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Here comes the best part. Arriving at their home, Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Here it is. At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. I can just imagine a boxing match inside. You know when any boxers hit those thingies? I don't know what happened. Over the feet? I don't know. And suddenly Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice she prophesied with power. Wow. Okay. Right here. Do you remember, do you remember back when we read that section that um, <coughs> Zechariah was told this baby will be filled with the Holy Spirit before it's born? Ta-da! Just happened. So um, <laughs> this is not a pro-life thing at all. This is about the reality of how we've been created. It was an unborn child that first acknowledged Jesus. It was not a born person. It was an unborn baby. It was still a baby. That is really radical to me. All right? Again, do not, don't make comments about pro-life or anything like that. That's not what this is about. I'll delete it. This is about the wow of how God works in ways that we didn't even think of. And still does in ways that we can't even think of. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and with a loud voice. Can you imagine an aged woman with a loud voice? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what it sounded like? But here she says, Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. Pause there for a minute. I believe it is for this reason we see um, different denominations and church um, the church world, the uh, different traditions that give Mary a greater honor. Uh, in the Protestant movement, we've seen a despairing comment about Catholics and others who, or Orthodox even, of how they give Mary such honor. And I think they, that those who make those comments need to pipe down a bit and do a little bit more history. And fortunately, I'm talking to myself because I have made those comments. I have made those judgmental gestures, and I no longer do because there's more to history than what we've been told. And this is a beautiful section. Thank you to Brad Jerzak, who's really helped me come along in a great way and uh, seeing my church history better and finding value in the icons because he's part of the Orthodox Church as well um, uh, and so on. And honestly, this right here, should be a wake-up call to you that there is something special about her. Now, let's not talk about all the rabbit trails of, oh, but they prayed her and all this. That's, forget that. That, that. That's a distraction. Stop arguing about that. Look instead at the beauty of what was done here, that Mary was the chosen one. This is a, gr a great thing. 
Mary, you're a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. For your child is destined to bring God great delight. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? She says the mother of my Lord. How did she know that? Because she's filled the Holy Spirit. The revelation was given to her. When we come to believe, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit, it is then that the revelation comes to us of what is true. You can't convince people of what is true by rational arguments. You can't. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms something is true or guides us or drags us towards truth. It's beautiful. She delighted in this. The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my, <laughs> my baby danced inside me with ecstatic joy. What favor is upon you? For you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. Wow. Maybe, maybe her question so much to the angel wasn't uh, not believing. Maybe she did believe, but just had an authentic question. So that's pretty cool. Zechariah, he had some legitimate questions too. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. Before going home, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. When Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term, remember, old woman, giving birth, she gave birth to a son. All her family, friends, and neighbors heard about it. And they too were overjoyed, for they realized that the Lord had showered such wonderful mercy upon her. Again, Here's the comparison. You're, com you're, you're believing the blessing of a child is a gift from God, which it is, or it's a special blessing you have favor. But if you don't have a kid, you're cursed. So which is it? We've got to really rethink that whole mindset. When the, okay, here we go. Um, when the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, the family and friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. Everyone was convinced that the parents would name the baby Zechariah after the father which is a typical traditional way of naming your kid. But Elizabeth spoke up. No, he has to be named John. What? That doesn't even rhyme with Zechariah. They exclaimed, no one in your line is named that name. So they gestured to the baby's father to ask what the name of the child should be. After motioning for a writing tablet, in amazement of all he wrote, here it is, his name is John. And I love this. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and his first words were praises to the Lord. The fear of God then fell on the people of the village, and the news of this astounding event traveled throughout the hill country of Judea. Everyone was in awe of it. All who heard this news were astonished and wondered. If a miracle brought his birth, what on earth will this child become? Clearly, God's presence is upon this child in a powerful way. And we're going to end with this. We're not going to do the Joseph part today. This is astounding. And you wonder, if something like this happens, do you think word will get around to the community? You betcha. Reputations were going. And it wasn't until 30, 30 years later, 30, <coughs> 30 years later, these stories kept being retold and retold and retold and retold. They met John. They see who he is. Okay, they're watching. He's some weirdo in the desert eating locusts and honey and all that. And then he prophesies about Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And then 30 years later, Jesus comes into the picture. 
in a meaningful way. I'm talking him uh, starting his ministry, not being born. That happens not too long after this. What an incredible story. So today, as we wrap up, we're going to close with an Advent of Prayer video, and then we're finished. I remind you, the joy is here for now. It's from yesterday, and it's also looking forward, as we heard in the very beginning from Henry Nouwen. If you're in despair, look for joy. It's there. Joy is not a feeling. It's a, an intense experience deep within. Happiness is an emotion that's connected to happenings around you. Joy is an internal state of being. And we can experience joy in the middle of tragedy. It doesn't have to look happy, but there's a sense of contentment and trust that God's working this stuff out. And there are folks here at Hope Fellowship and those watching online today, they need to hear this. You're not alone. God has not abandoned you in your difficulty right now. He never will. It's impossible for him to abandon you. Well, today, a prayer of joy. Lord, be joy to each person watching who hears this. Be hope for those who lack hope. In Jesus' name, amen.